The planet is heating up. The oceans are becoming filled with plastic. Change starts now. Change starts now. We're on a countdown. To zero waste. Five, four, three, two, one. This is the Zero Waste Countdown Podcast. Here's your host, Laura Nash. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Zero Waste Countdown podcast and radio show. Today, we're going to talk about zero waste buildings and how they can be certified with Denise Braun. She's the principal and founder of All About Waste. So first of all, Denise, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you. So you have a lot of certifications, and I don't understand what a lot of them mean. So I think this is going to be really exciting for me and my listeners to learn some of the different certifications uh, that are in the zero waste world. And then we're also Mm -hmm. going to talk about the, I guess it's the first zero waste building kind of ever or in San Francisco? Yeah, it's the first zero waste building in San Francisco, and it's the largest commercial building to be certified in the world. That's awesome. So we're kind of going to go through some certifications and then find out how how that building works, basically. So let's start with the U.S. Green Building Council. So what exactly is that? Yeah, so the, the U.S. Green Building Council, as known as also USGBC, it's a nonprofit organization that it was founded in 1993 in the U.S. The USGBC was created to improve sustainability in buildings through like the design process, construction, and operations. That's basically their main mission. And when we talk about buildings, we're talking about schools, we're talking about healthcare buildings, we're talking about single-family homes, we're talking about commercial buildings, high-rise buildings. So any kind of building construction that you have, you know, people occupying or working or living there, it's eligible for, you know, a green building certification through USGBC. That's very Um, cool. So I just thought of a zero waste building of like its functionality as it is, like once it's already built, but I never really thought about the construction, which I suppose could be almost one of the most wasteful parts about it, right? Yeah. So the true zero waste certification was acquired by the U.S. GBC about like uh, three or four years ago. Previously, before it's been named as true certification, the Zero Waste Business Council created the Zero Waste Certification. And under the umbrella of USGBC, there are several other certifications. So the most famous one is the LEED certification, which is the Leadership in Energy and Environmental Design. Okay, cool. Then we have yeah. So that's L L E E D for listeners because I've exactly. seen that before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there are um, other certifications, including the True Zero Waste certification. There are um, certifications that you can certify, like a parking garage, which is Park Smart, and and other certifications as well. I recommend that you know all the listeners go to USGBC and, and take a look what kind of certifications they provide that will be appealing for your work or for your business or for your building. So anyhow, the true zero waste certification, as you mentioned, it's definitely focused on operations exclusive. Of course, if you have construction waste happening during operations, then you need to consider that waste. But uh, it's basically operations of, of a building. 
Can you walk us through like the functionality of the building? Like if we went to visit the building, would we see anything that's zero waste related? Like how does it work? Yes, we definitely will see a lot of things related to zero waste. So for a building to be qualified to be zero waste, there are several prerequisites or they call like a minimum program requirement. And I can talk a little bit about it. So when you satisfy those minimum program requirements, then you go to the certification process. The the true zero waste certification, you can only certify a building that is being operating through like one year. So you have to create a baseline of like how much waste you're generating in mm-hmm. one year, and then you implement the zero waste strategies and solutions and cost reduction solutions and so on. And then by the end of that year, then it's when you get the certification. So the minimum program requirements are pretty simple and uh, very easy to achieve when you have the commitment to be zero waste. So the first requirement is to have a minimum of 90% diversion from landfill, including incineration or the environment. So, of course, you cannot send, you know any of the the waste to like river or incineration facilities. Mm-hmm. The other thing is the compliance with federal and local laws and regulations in terms of, you know, hazardous waste and e-waste and, and other waste that your um, facility potentially can generate. Provide 12 months of waste collection and diversion data. Normally, that information we get from the waste hauler who should provide like a monthly report like how much waste we're generating and so on. Have a zero waste policy or create one and create also, uh, by the end of the certification, you should create a, a case study that the U.S. Green Building Council will use for marketing purpose and like education purpose. And then one thing I really want to highlight that it's been very interesting movement happening in the green building industry is that for the certification, you could not exceed 10% contamination rate. And I left this topic to the end because I think it's really important for us to think and discuss this. The city of San Francisco just released a new law related to large generators buildings. And this law comes to, they're trying to resolve the problem that especially not just the U.S., all the the world, but especially in the United States and the West Coast of the United States, most of the waste that we used to generate here will go to, you know, China. And then and then we try to send to Indonesia, to Malaysia. We the recycling, everybody. right? Like the recycling? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then everybody, you know, when China stopped receiving the waste and we try to send like to other countries and thankfully other countries said, no, we don't want your waste because this is not recyclables and mainly because of the contamination right exactly yeah exactly so now united states has a problem because we've been i i said we've always been so stubborn you know that we could uh, send things outside and we're like okay now it's their problem it's not our problem now we have the problem to figure it out so the 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 city of san francisco released this law it was effective on uh, july 1st And basically, they establish a threshold for contamination. So you can have like 5% of your waste stream, your your compostable waste stream can have 5% only of contamination. You can have 10% 
contamination on your recyclable stream and 25% on your trash uh, or like waste landfill stream. One thing that is very important that we see a lot when we do waste audits and things like that is e-waste and hazardous waste has zero tolerance. So is that what you mean by contamination of trash? Is that it would be like maybe mm -hmm. some e-waste would be contaminated? Yes. Okay, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. For example, when they say no zero waste, you know, zero tolerance, no tolerance on hazardous waste or e-waste is that none of the compostable, recyclable, or including trash can have any piece of electronic waste or hazardous waste. So batteries, lamps, like we see, you know, smart part of computers, mouses, whatever it is, it cannot be in any of those streams that we mentioned, compostables, recyclable, and trash. It has mm-hmm. to be going to a special facility that will recycle, and uh, if not, uh, they will like go to an industrial um, landfill. Mm-hmm. So that's very, very important that uh, it's happening, and I see that this type of ordinance coming to other cities. So if I walk into this building, let's say I work in one of the offices, then I'm going to see some pretty regimented, like this is for plastic, this is for paper, this is for trash, um, like it's all going to yeah. be sorted. And uh, does it have anything else to do with, so it doesn't have anything to do really with water or energy? It's it's no. it's the waste. Exactly. Yeah. It's completely solid waste. There is liquid waste, but this is not including into the certification. It's exclusive solid waste. As you mentioned, like when you walk into this building, you will see signage everywhere. You will see clearly been separating like compostables, recyclables, and landfill. Uh, they have a lot of shredding paper receptacles. So they will, we divert a lot of the paper that sometimes gets contaminated because of liquid waste or something like that. So we divert a lot of the paper through shredding, which is a great solution for recycle your white paper. One of the main uh, reasons that they have a, such a, a higher diversion is that when we talk about 90% diversion, we're talking about it's it's a formula about not just diverting the waste, but also reducing the waste and reusing, you know, materials. In this mm-hmm. building particularly, when you go to the building, every single floor you have pantries and every single pantry has reusable pencils. Uh, reusable mugs, bowls, cups, everything, everything. It's like you feel at home. Nothing is being in plastic. Nothing. Um, That would be so nice to see. I would love to see that. (laughs) Yeah. And they have like uh, three or four baristas and, and like a big cafeteria there where you have cups to go available if you ask for but it's not something that they will give it to you. So there is like entire training with the baristas and the people that work in the cafe and the cafeterias to not give single-use materials to to the people. The first option is reusable. The other thing that they do is uh, they work very close to their vendors and most of their vendors have like some type of reusable packaging where they come and deliver things in bulk like, you know, cereal yeah. and, and granola and trail mix, all those things that they made available for people because it's a tech company and tech companies like to treat really well there. They like and, to feed their employees, don't they? <laughs> yeah. yeah. They give all that for free 
so you get in bulk so you can put in your bowl and there there is no waste basically so the vendors are also they have a, a, they call like extended producer responsibility where basically the vendors are responsible to take back any type of packaging or cardboard or anything that potentially will generate waste for the building the Perfect. vendor is responsible to take it back. Good. And I wish that that was how it is everywhere because a lot of these producers are producing things and then just putting it on people. Like we were just talking exactly. about the Amazon before. And that's what I see is these big companies just, okay, we're going to sell you guys all of this stuff, but there's no waste management. There's no recycling down there. And it would be nice mm-hmm. if the companies took more responsibility for that. So just having this rule of like, okay, you can give us stuff in packaging, but you got to take it back. And then you know, that puts it, it more on other people and then they will be more inclined to reduce, I think. So exactly. That's really, yeah, cool. they're definitely get more aware of their own waste generation. Yeah. And that, that way, you know, being working in zero waste buildings and, and construction sites and all that, you definitely, when you have that type of agreement with your vendor, your vendor start thinking, oh, maybe it's time for me to use some type of reusable packaging where I reduce my cost, you know, buying, for example, cardboard a ton and putting to recycle, which normally, especially in California, you have to pay sometimes to recycle your waste. So the vendor really starts thinking about their impact, how to reduce their cost and be more effective with their packaging. So is this building the only one that's achieved the gold level certification? No. There are other true zero waste building gold certified. But again, this is the first zero waste building in San Francisco was uh, very remarkable. And uh, there are other buildings zero waste certified. There are over 140 projects in 13. Yeah. In 13 different countries. Okay. Uh, Yeah pretty interesting. Right now in the U.S., we have uh, 50 projects registered and over 120 projects certified. Good. And in Canada, we have about three projects certified yet. Well, that's really good news that there are so many. So, so the gold level is basically just like all the basics that you described, but maybe a little bit more? Or was it some of the things you were describing as well? Yeah, it's a little bit more. So there are four type of certification levels. You have certify, you have silver, gold, and platinum. And as the green building industry, normally when they do a certification, they, they like to do, you know, different levels of certification. So people can still be certified or um, start implementing changes in their buildings and their operations or design, construction, whatever. And then you can start moving closer to like higher level. This project right now, it's gold, but um, they might be thinking to move to platinum when the certification, it's time to renew. The certification, you need to recertify every every year. You don't need to go through all the certification process, but you need to prove that, you know, you're complying with the minimum program requirements that we mentioned in terms of diversion, contamination rates, and all that, and uh, and 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 show like the the twelve months of 
monthly reports that you have from your reseller. And in Canada, we see a lot of Energy Star stickers on all of our appliances and computers and stuff. Is is that the same Energy Star uh, certification that this building has as well, or is it something different? Mm-hmm. It is yeah. the same. Cool. Yeah. So yeah, th- this building has uh, Energy Star and it's Elite Platinum. And project. then Fitwell too. What is Fitwell? Yeah, Fitwell. So it's interesting that the green building industry for a long time always focused on the environment, you know, like how to reduce water and energy or waste and, and so on. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of people like like complaining about yeah, like I, I am in a lead project building, but I feel tired. I'm not performing the way I would like to do and, and things like that. So there were several studies that Fitwell was one of them that was created from the Center of Active Design. It's a nonprofit in New York who started to think, okay, how can we make buildings there are that promote well-being for the building occupants? And that's what a Fitwell is. So there are two certifications for buildings that want to promote wellness and well-being for their occupants and, and communities. One is the Fitwell and the other one is the Well certification. The Fitwell is very um, affordable in terms of registration fees and so on, including implementation. And it basically promotes like, you know, Use the stair, have like daylight coming to to your building instead of having artificial lighting all day long, you know, things like that. Yeah. Oh, that's great to hear. Yeah, that I used to be in the military and we worked in these buildings and I would always think about those things because I grew up Mm -hmm. without air conditioning in my house when I was little. So we had to go around and like open the curtains, you know, and then close the curtains at night and like shut all the windows and open the windows, you know, depending on with whether we wanted to heat or cool our, our house. So I'm always yep. thinking about these things, but I feel like not a lot of other people are. <laughs> exactly. Now there are because uh, they're actually a word, a, a definition they call like a, a building seek syndrome that basically buildings, depending how they design and they operate, make people really get sick. You know, really? depressed or they're not, again, performing the way they should. They're not sleeping very well. You know, they're not like they're not communicating with, you know, their coworkers and so on. So the certification promote all those things, including like uh, how you design a building that you can have a park, for example, like or a plaza where you can have like a farmer's market and have mm-hmm. like local community and local business to go and use the building facility or a space so that way the building is not isolated from the community. Yeah. And even like I'm just thinking back to the military because that's when I was in these like big, just really square, not very nice buildings. Uh, mm-hmm. And one thing I always noticed is there would be like tables of just for four people. And then sometimes people would eat alone. But I think if you had like those big longer tables where everyone kind of had to sit in, like just these tiny little changes, right? Um, yep. To keep people from eating alone. Like there's a lot of little tiny tweaks and things that I think we can make uh, people's lives better. And I feel like that's what you do with your job is you are making things better from a building aspect, which is so cool. So can you tell me more specifically about what you do and your job? Yeah, sure. So I'm the founder and principal of All Level Waste. We are a woman and minority owned sustainability and zero waste consulting firm based in, in LA. 
we provide a different set of uh, services, including green building certifications, the ones that we mentioned, the LEED certification, the True Zero Waste, uh, the Fit Well, Well Certification, and so on. Also, I want to invite you and your audience to check it out. Uh, the first Well Preschool certified that we just um, work on and certify is in, in Santa Monica. It's called Untitled Number One. It's an amazing preschool, and it's the first well preschool certified in the world. So those are the projects that we work on. We do a lot of uh, waste audits, waste characterizations, waste program assessments, and we deliver different type of education trainings, workshops, community outreach, and all that promoting sustainability. That's very cool. So if you're listening and want to check it out, it's allaboutwaste.org. So I just looked yeah. it up here and it's pretty cool. Union Flats, is that like a apartment building in San yeah, Francisco? Yeah, this is uh, one of our, uh, we work a lot with portfolio buildings and this is a, one of our clients. They own a bunch of residential buildings all over the west coast of the United States. And they want all their buildings to be fit well certified. And the Union Flats, it's just a, one of the case studies that we have with this developer. And it's an amazing facility. They promote a lot of community engagement, well-being, and so on. So, yeah. Yeah, and they have uh, water dispensers everywhere, which is so cool. Like, mm-hmm. I I have this vision of, you know, more clean water for everyone, especially down in the Amazon where there isn't really clean water. Like, you have to buy it. It would be so cool if, yeah. if it was more available. And I don't know if it used to be a thing. Like, you know, we grew up going to school and we had water fountains in our schools and there were sometimes some out in the city. And I don't know if, like, water fountains kind of disappeared with bottled water, with the popularity, <laughs> yeah. or if there just never was that many. I don't know. I don't know. Um, you grew up in, in Sao, Sao Paulo. Did I say it right? Sao Paulo. Sao, Sao Paulo. Paulo. Yeah. <laughs> okay, thank you. Perfect. Um, <laughs> was there, were there like water fountains around town, like where you grew up? No, not, no, not really. Yeah. Uh, well, the school that I study was a German school, and we had uh, water fountains in our school, but then when I grew up and... Uh, when I went to like uh, my university, it was like all it, it suddenly, as you mentioned, like really like plastic bottles took over. Yeah. Uh, but I think, you know, and, I, and it's funny because I just went to Brazil now and no matter where you go, you need to ask for bottled water. It's different than in, in the United States that you go to a restaurant. They, they ask you, do you want to tap water or do you want to bottle water? So it was interesting. I forgot about that, that everywhere in Brazil, you need to order uh, bottled water. Is that because they'll, will they just give you tap water if you don't ask? or? No, here's the thing. And um, that's what is interesting about, especially the, the well certification mm-hmm. that we were talking before. The quality of the municipal water in Brazil, it's really bad. Mm. For example, the, the well certification, they actually, when you submit all the paperwork saying that the project is in compliance with the well certification, the credits, and so on, they actually go to your site and they will test, you know, they will test your water quality, they will test your acoustics, they will test the amount of lighting that is coming to your desk and, and so on. So um, it's been very interesting to to see that. That's the other thing um, 
I want to mention that, uh, you know, in the green building industry, I'm seeing that this movement a lot, that new certifications, including also the FitWell certification, now are having an assessor coming to your site and doing interviews or testing. It's not just the paperwork that we should submit anymore. It's also like actual performance in the building they will uh, they will test and, and look. So it's been very interesting to, to see. They want to see like performance um, real time. That's what they're looking for. So what got you interested in sustainability and wellness? Yeah, interesting question. When I was nine years old, um, I was in Brazil. I used to have a beach house close to Sao Paulo. And during the summer, it rains a lot there. And there was like flood every time. And I started thinking, like, why there's so much flood and uh, what happened after the flood? And it was waste everywhere. So I started getting my friends together and protesting on the beach. So people, like, throw the, the, the waste in the trash bins. Wow, good. Uh, that was my first uh, thing that uh, my mom reminded me, like, years, years ago um, that I used to do that. But then after I graduated from college, I took like a sabbatical, you know, period. And I went to my beach town that I used to go when I was younger. And um, I started, there is a, a natural preserved beach. There's nothing there. There's absolutely nothing built or anything. And when you walk in the beach, there's like tons of trash. And I was like, oh, I'm going to start looking at the trash. I started looking in the trash and I saw like trash all over, you know, trash like like plastic containers written in, in Japanese and like a water bottle and, and different things. I was like, where this trash is coming from? So And this I was in Brazil? Study. Was this in Brazil? Yeah, or weird? in Brazil in How Sao does... Paulo. Okay. Like, <laughs> yeah, like trash coming from China and Japan in Sao Paulo. It's like how this happened. I was like, it blew my mind. So That's I started- crazy found out about the five gyres, uh, which I really recommend that everybody, if you're not familiar with, you take a look so you understand that waste, it travels. And that's how I started like to think about how waste is related to so many things. Waste is the environmental pollutant that is increasing faster than any other environmental pollutant in the world. Waste is related to health, climate change, poverty reduction, food and resource security, sustainable production, and consumption. So all those things start coming to my mind when I start studying waste. And because of the findings that I, I had with the studies on this beach, I, I created like a beach cleanup. In less than a month, I got sponsorship from the government, local news, schools, everywhere. Everybody was like a huge event. And I, I brought attention to the community and the government and the media about the, the problem of uh, plastic pollution. And because of oh. that, I got a job offer in, a, in an engineering company in Brazil, in Sao Paulo, that they were just starting doing lead projects in Brazil. And they were like, do you mind to work with construction waste? I was like, no, waste is waste. So that's where I am right now. Basically, I've been working with a lot with elite projects and green building projects, but always 
trying to focus on on waste and waste reduction and, and so on. That is so great. I love this story. See, if you're listening and you get out there and you help and, and do what's right, you know, you could maybe land an awesome job, right? So exactly. that's very cool. I would never thought that that simple thing would lead me to a job that would lead me to so many opportunities to learn about sustainability. It was very, very impactful. Oh, that's awesome. So what do you think about San Francisco then? So I don't know how long you've been there, but in Canada, we hear that it's got like a trash problem. Is that true? Is it something that you see all the time? Yes. Oh, yeah. Really? Trash, again, it's a... I was kind of hoping you would problem. say like, it's not as bad, but... <laughs> no, no, it's it's really bad everywhere. No. no. Trash is very much related to social equity. So, of course, in places, believe it or not, there are like doesn't have uh, as much as social equity and uh, economical opportunities and all that, you will see even more trash. But trash is a global, a global problem. It should be considered as a global problem. All the governments should think about it. When we talk about climate change, waste is a huge player on that. You know, we could reduce so much greenhouse gas emissions just diverting waste from landfill. There are a study from the International Solid Association that estimates that all the waste management action, including disposal, recycling, and composting and treatment, were considered in the sector could cut to 10 to 15% of the GHG emissions globally. So it's pretty significant of um, how much we can reduce on climate change and social equity if we start thinking about zero waste cities and buildings. And what if listeners are working in their own buildings around the world and they would be interested in getting their buildings certified? Where where would they start? Would they contact you through All About Waste? Yeah, I would love to, to help. Um, again, it could be buildings. Uh, this could be schools, a government agencies. Any type of buildings can, you know, manufacturers, any building can be certified. I always say if you are not looking for a certification, just use the certification as a roadmap for you and for your business to implement effective way to reduce cost because that's very much related to waste. If you're wasteful, you're not being effective. You're not being cost effective. Yeah. So, yeah. You can contact me. You can go to true.org. It's uh, the webpage where the true certification is uh, has a lot of information, some projects that are certified, uh, so you get inspired by the other projects. But yeah, I'm happy to to help anybody that has ideas or you know they're facing a challenge on implementing some strategy on cost reduction or waste-related things, I, I'm here. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This has been thank really you. cool. And I didn't have any idea what these certifications meant, so thank you for explaining them to me. I think I have a good understanding now of, of what's happening there, and I think I think the future can be bright, but we do have to work hard on it. We can't just sit back and expect things to get better. We all have to you know, roll up our sleeves and, and get out there and work and, and, and you know, do a good job. And I think... I think the future is bright for that, and I love to see this. So, yes. thank you. I have one favor to ask for the audience: if you could please, if you live uh, in the United States, 
please go to California Against Waste and please vote for SB 54 and AB 1080. It's a new bill that it hopefully is going to be voted and uh, will promote circular economy and waste reduction Cool in California. I'll check that out as well. Thank you, Denise. Awesome. Thank you. That was Denise Braun. She's the principal and founder of All About Waste. She joined the countdown today to talk about zero waste buildings. Did you know you can now find our episodes on YouTube? If you have a YouTube account, please like, subscribe, and comment on there. And if you haven't given us a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts, please do so. It helps the algorithms push our show up in search results, which means more people will discover the show and more zero-waste solutions will be shared around the world from our amazing guests that we've had on the show. I'm a volunteer at my local college radio station, and I don't make very much money, so if you have a few bucks to spare each month, you can sign up and be a patron on Podbean. There's a little reward button you can click on there. I'm also on Patreon, but I want to keep all my content free for everyone instead of putting it behind a paywall, so... You also can donate directly on the show's website, zerowastecountdown.com. We are a registered nonprofit in Canada called the Zero Waste Countdown Initiative. Thanks for listening, everybody, and thanks to our listeners in America, Canada, Germany, the UK, Australia, New Zealand, Spain, and wherever else you're tuning in from. Together, we're going to change the world. Change starts now. This is the Zero Waste Countdown Podcast.